What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Free College, a proposal on the Hill that puts school on Wall Street's dime. Who is really going to end up paying for this? Is it really going to be sort of the high frequency traders that this type of legislation is intended to target? Or is it going to be the retail investor who ends up getting stuck with the bill? Binge watching burnout, Netflix stumbles after a business boom in the pandemic, and spring has sprung at Apple Park, the tech giant unveiling new products. At Apple, we continue to be committed to making an impact in people's lives. And we can't wait to get these new products into your hands and see all of the amazing things you'll do with them. And combating the disturbing rise in anti-Asian hate crime, Hawaii Senator Maisie Hirono. Congress needs to stand up to condemn these kinds of actions. Those stories plus bedtime matters, sleep habits, gadgets, and studies. If you really want to get into the sleep thing, we could do a whole three hours on it. It's Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. We've got some news right now from Ilan Moy about a plan to make community college free. She joins us right now with the details. Ilan, good morning. Well, good morning, Becky. Progressives are unveiling a proposal today that would make not just community college free, but also give households earning less than $125,000 a free ride to any public university. The catch, though, is that Wall Street would wind up paying for it. So here's how this would work. The federal government would cover 75% of tuition and fees, though that could go up to 90% during recessions. States would be responsible for the rest. To offset that cost, Senator Bernie Sanders and Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal want to tie this program to a new financial transaction tax. The Wall Street Speculation Act would impose a 50 basis point tax on stock trades, 10 basis points on bonds, and a fee of five basis points on derivatives. Now, those numbers do add up. Progressives say it could raise $2.4 trillion over a decade, though there are a wide range of outside estimates about how much that would actually bring in. Now, President Biden was open to the idea of a financial transaction tax when he was running for office. And the free college plan is actually based off of what Biden proposed on the campaign trail. So, guys, what we're seeing here is progressives trying to put pressure on the White House to embrace both these issues as Biden gets ready to roll out the human capital portion of his infrastructure package. Back over to you. Elon, when you first started talking about this and and mentioned it was Bernie Sanders uh, who was kind of behind some of this, I thought, okay, it's not very likely. This is going to be very progressive. Then you point out that it's things that Biden himself has campaigned for. How much support is there for something like this, not just with the Biden administration, but also within the Senate and within the House? Yeah, so we're expecting to see who has actually co-sponsored the bill along with Senator Sanders today. Um, That list will be revealed later on this morning. Uh, But I think what's notable here is that one of the chief criticisms of the Free College for All plan was that it would cover college and subsidize college by the U.S. government for people who could afford to pay for it. This proposal sort of lowers the 
cap and lowers the income threshold for households to qualify for that free college program, that's a recognition amongst progressives that there were some um, concerns and criticisms of the initial plan. So, you know, this is something that has support from moderates as well, like President Biden himself. You know, the question will be whether or not he's willing to spend the money that would be required to, uh, to, to put this program forward. On the campaign trail, he did not tie this to a transaction tax. Um, we've already seen that his uh, new second phase of his in infrastructure proposal would likely be in the $1.5 trillion price tag. Um, so that's something that could be difficult for Democrats even to swallow as they look at something that was already $2 trillion for the first phase of its infrastructure package. So there are a lot of numbers floating around. There are a lot of different ways that Democrats are looking to pay for these things. And they're going to have to decide what their priorities are because they may not have that many chances to get something done. Yeah, Elon, I just wanted to go back to the issue of the, 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 the tying to the financial transaction tax because that was something that I, and you just said it, that I had not uh, recalled the, uh, the Biden um, pushing for, but also it's pretty clear, I think, that the Biden administration is not for financial transaction tax at all. Whenever that's been raised, that's something that they have, they, they, they have not looked upon fondly, right? He said during the campaign that it was something that he would be open to, but he never presented a plan for what that would look like. You know, Bernie Sanders has been pushing this for a long time. Uh, you know, progressive Democrats say it's an easy source of money. But I think that, you know, one concern that people like President Biden would have is that, you know, who is really going to end up paying for this? Is it really going to be sort of the high frequency traders that this type of legislation is intended to target? Or is it going to be, as we've seen over this past year, sort of the retail investor who ends up getting stuck with the bill? So those are some of the competing you know, concerns that uh, the administration is likely going to be balancing as they weigh what are the types of pay-fors that they're going to include in any package. Elon, you said that this would be for any school. And I just kind of wonder what this would mean for tuition prices, which have spiraled well ahead of <clears throat> inflation costs for decades at this point. Um, I, I know that state legislatures in many states have cut back on the support that they've given to the state universities. I spoke with the Rutgers University president last week about that, and it's a significant decline over what they were paying for uh, a decade ago, which is part of the reason you've seen tuition go up. But if you have the federal government picking up 90 percent of the tab, what is to stop tuition from continuing to skyrocket? I mean, it, it, you'd think of the unintended consequences that would come with a move like this. Yeah, so I think part of the other question around this program is, are states going to buy into it, right? Because, as you mentioned, states have not necessarily 10%. funded mm -hmm. higher education at the levels, that, the levels that, uh, that, that a lot of parents and families would like to see it. Um, but states would have to buy into this. There is going to be skin in the game for state and local governments as well. So, you know, what would be the uptake? Would every state participate? Would some states sit out? You could also have a situation of sort of haves and haves nots then across the country. Um, but there is analysis that estimates that I believe an additional two million people would end up enrolling in college because of this. So, you know, the sort of long term economic payoff of having more people with a higher education progressives, some Democrats would argue that's worth the trade-off. I, I, again, I just think of unintended consequences. What happens to tuition prices? What happens to competitive to trying to get into some of these schools? Would you be paying for private universities as well as state schools, not just community colleges, but private universities too? It's complicated. Yeah, this would only cover um, public universities. Elon, only public universities. Okay. Elon, thank you very much. Good to see you. 
Netflix hitting a snag. The streaming giant's stock took a hit after the company's quarterly earnings release late Tuesday. Netflix added fewer new subscribers than Wall Street expected. Wait, are we all leaving the house now? Pandemic-fueled demand for binge watches could be waning. Or maybe we've all just already seen Bridgerton and all the true crime docs. CNBC's Julia Borston broke down what the company said about subs this morning. They do tell an important story about the impact of COVID and the streaming landscape. Now, Netflix was right that its massive 2020 user growth, it added over 20 million last year. It was a pull forward from this year with first quarter subscriber growth of 4 million coming in less than 2 million lower than expectations, while guidance for 1 million additions in the second quarter, that's less than a quarter of expectations. And this comes as the domestic market does mature. This was the third straight quarter of under 1 million net additions between the U.S. and Canada. And Netflix co-CEO Reed Hastings says that the user growth decline is not a result of competition. They say their largest competitor is still linear TV. The second is YouTube. But he said rather it's the impact of the pull forward and COVID. It's intensely competitive, but it always has been. I mean, we've been competing with Amazon Prime for 13 years, with Hulu for 14 years. Um, It's always been very competitive with linear TV too. So there's no real change that we can detect in the competitive environment. It's always been high and and remains high. Hastings and his co-CEO Ted Sarandos saying that they're optimistic about growth in those user numbers restarting in the second half of the year. They noted that churn has decreased despite price hikes, and they say that there will be more shows and original films launching on the service in the second half. That should really help bolster that growth, Andrew. Julia, so Netflix is experimenting with cracking down on password sharing. That's one of the other features of this quarter. What's the company's plan there? Well, it was interesting. It came up a couple of times on the call, and they said they didn't want to turn the screws on their users. They didn't want people to feel upset or uncomfortable about the way they were starting to enforce um, this crackdown. But they said they did want to make sure that the people who are watching Netflix were paying for Netflix. So I think they're going to be addressing this very carefully moving forward, but they are going to really try to limit the amount of password sharing that's that's going on. We didn't get any details of how many people are, are sharing passwords, but a number of estimates say that over half of households or about half of households are sharing passwords. So I think they're going to move carefully and slowly in that direction. And real quick, any estimates of what they can capture of that? So 50 percent of these things are being shared to a second. Do they get 10 you percent know, of those people? end up No, no up estimates. For a- they were very cautious. They were very cautious. They just think that they're, they're going to be able to figure out different um, different types of uh, subscription offerings. So maybe right. you would have more than four streams or, or but they didn't even address the numbers. They just said we don't want anyone to feel like we're turning the screws on them. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they feel about that. Julia, thank you. It's great to see you. If you're burning the candle at both ends, listen up, and we do it here uh, on this show. A new study uh, published in the scientific journal Nature Communication says middle-aged adults who sleep six hours or fewer per night may be at a higher risk of de- developing dementia later in life. 50-year-olds who were sleeping six hours or less per night had a 22% higher risk of developing dementia. That risk increased to 37% for 60-year-olds to develop it. And it compared to people who slept for seven hours, just one hour difference. The study was controlled uh, and looked at for cardiac, metabolic, and mental health issues. 
And, and just sleep research, you'd think we'd be much more advanced in, in knowing exactly what, what you're accomplishing with REM and all the different types of sleep. But when you consider that all thought, consciousness, everything, is chemically mediated, wouldn't it make sense that you're using, you're depleting serotonin or, or neurotransmitters yeah. so yeah. that there's something really important happening? So I need seven. I need seven. And I, I was working on that this morning because now I, I seem to be getting up earlier. I'm like up at, at like 20 till uh, four. So if I don't go to bed, if I go to bed that's at like 8.15, anyway. I don't fall asleep till like 8.30. Yeah. That's exactly seven hours. And I can tell the next morning on the way in if, if I'm like right. drifting off. So what, is seven different than six on that ring? My question. Sort of? Oh, well, go ahead. It, my question is, do you, if you get a nap, does that make up for it? Maybe not, because you can't fall back into the REM sleep and do some of the good work that needs to be Whatever done. Whatever it is, that. it's because happening. That, that was the first thing I saw that when I thought, like, oh, my gosh, can you make up for it with a nap? Because I don't think there's ever time fully, get, You like, can't fully make up for a nap. I may have to get you guys both rings, it seems like. So, so just so you know, last phone, night I did. I already know that, I'm not getting seven, seven hours. To, like, download well, so I did six and, hours. I did six hours and 32 last night. An hour and 34 minutes of REM, uh, light sleep, three hours and 51 minutes, and deep sleep of one hour and seven minutes. Wow, that's and, pretty uh, cool. They How much say deep sleep my, are you supposed to get? What's the... Um, you're supposed to get as much as 20, 20% of your sleep. It would be great if you, if, you, if you got 20% of your sleep to be deep. I never get enough deep sleep. Uh, they claim my, my, my sleep was, they gave me a good rating, 83 but I, if you get in the yeah. 90s, but I only get in the 90s on a weekend. But I will say, I, I, and I do this sometimes, I don't know if I should say this, I occasionally take uh, melatonin gummies, and last night I couldn't sleep, so I, I, I did that, and it helped. Because the amount of time it took to go to sleep was like three minutes, according to this thing. Does it, does it take account? Too much information? Does it, no, 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 no. I want more information. Does it take account uh, bathroom breaks uh, during the night? Totally. I mean, are, those, <laughs> yep. are those on well, there? You can't be in deep sleep when that happens, at least hopefully not. Yep. No, it, it shows. If you, if you get up out of bed, it shows. <laughs> Mine would totally. look funny. But Mine we can talk. But if you want to talk sleep, I just like got some. You may not be getting any I deep just, sleep. Right. I may not I, be getting any REM sleep. <laughs> but I will also tell you, and maybe, well, you know, we'll do a whole segment about this. I also okay, just I recently got this thing called an eight sleep bed. I actually got a, um, this a thing that actually cools your mattress. <laughs> yes, and actually, every no, gadget creates, that's ever been invented. <laughs> creates deeper sleep. It does. So we can, we can, anyway, there's a lot to talk. If you really want to get into the sleep thing, we could do a whole, whole three hours on it. Next on Squawk Pod, roads, bridges, broadband, the infrastructure debate is on in Washington. And Democratic Senator Maisie Hirono says politics is at play. They're not coming from a place that says we should be helping the vast majority of people in our country. They're very focused on helping Wall Street. Good for Wall Street, you know? Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Joe Kernan. 
Competing figures for President Biden's infrastructure plan being batted around by the political parties, uh, as per usual. Some Republicans want a roughly 600 to $800 billion package. Democrats uh, want more than $2 trillion. Join us now to talk about D.C.'s battle over spending and potential tax hikes. Senator Maisie Hirono, the great state of Hawaii with the lowest property taxes. Senator, uh, thanks. We were talking about that yesterday. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're also going to talk uh, with you about uh, the COVID-19 uh, hate uh, bill, that uh, Crimes okay, Act, so. that you that you co-authored. Uh, in fact, I, I, uh, let me mention your memoir first. New memoir, it's called Hearts of, Heart of Fire, an Immigrant Daughter's uh, Story. I, I want to talk, we're going to talk infrastructure, but I just want to get, it, it, since it might be today, are you expecting your, your, your bill to be voted on today? Senator Schumer on Monday said it could be as early uh, as today. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, depending on how the Republicans want to deal with some of the amendments that uh, some of their members want, which mainly have not, has nothing to do with the bill itself. We'll see how that goes. But my hope is that we'll be able to get this bill done uh, this week because the AAPI community uh, is uh, being targeted for hate crimes and other incidents, and, and the Congress needs to stand up to condemn right. these kinds of actions. It looks, I mean, 92 to 6 to, to start debate. So I, I would say that portends, uh, you know, that it that would, would move fairly quickly. 150% increase, 150% increase in anti-Asian hate crimes in the 16 largest U.S. cities. Exactly what does the bill do to, to address this? Because there are laws on the books. Uh, it's a, you can't do this anyway. So how does this extend that or, or make it, uh, customize it to this problem? There are hate crime laws uh, federally. Uh, not every state has hate crime laws, but all of these kind of kinds of crimes and incidents are vastly underreported. What this bill does, which I call a very non-controversial bill, uh, requires the Department of Justice to appoint a person to expeditiously review these kinds of crimes and incidents and to work with state and local uh, law enforcement to uh, create, uh, enable them to do online uh, reporting of these kinds of crimes, and then to uh, expand to to advocacy groups in the community because uh, the AAPI community, which represents like 40 over 40 racial groups and 300 languages, they need to be reached out to so that they know that when these things happen to them, they should report it. Let's uh, and and we will be paying attention to that, whether it's today or tomorrow. And uh, like I said, the, the uh, certainly seems like something that that shouldn't have a lot of, uh, of, of resistance, I would think. One would the think. <laughs> the infrastructure bill, on the other hand, uh, you've seen Senator uh, Cornyn say, you know what, we will do seven, eight hundred billion of, of pure infrastructure if you will focus it, make it, it, focus it more directly. Now, the latest thing is that, that there are some birdbath concerns about a lot of things that are in the two trillion that just by definition probably aren't gonna uh, pass muster so even if, if you do do it through reconciliation, you're going to miss out on a lot of things. Will that make you, you and your colleagues more inclined to maybe work with Republicans on a smaller bill? This is not a time for a small half measure kind of approach that the Republicans like to uh, focus on. $600 billion versus $2.5 trillion, that is a huge gap. This is a time for us to think big, move big. Uh, move large because we need to get our economy back on track. We need to create jobs for 
people, I realize that certain segments of our economy are doing fine. Wall Street uh, and others are doing fine. The tech con uh, tech industry is doing fine during this pandemic, but there are millions of people still out of work. And this is a bill that would get our economy back on track. And by the way, our thinking, the Republican thinking about infrastructure is really limited. They don't even consider removing lead pipes to be part of infrastructure. And of course it is. Well, there's, there's probably somewhere between 600 billion and 2.5 trillion where you could uh, where you could address a lot of infrastructure, a lot of much needed infrastructure, and maybe some of the things yeah. that it's been expanded to, you wouldn't get there. I guess my real question, Senator, do you, is there any chance this is not done under reconciliation? Is there any chance that the two parties are able to to decide on something because there was hope at the beginning of the uh, the administration that, that that you know that there were going to be you know signals sent out that that President Biden would do things that way on a, on a more bipartisan. I guess you'll blame it on Republicans, but if it's reconciliation, that certainly isn't bipartisan. But it also means that we actually get things done for the American people, and that's what the Democrats are focused on. Um, when you have uh, not a single Republican voting for the rescue bill, that gives you an idea of where they're coming from. And they're not coming from a place that says we should be helping the vast majority of people in our country. They're very focused on helping Wall Street. Good for Wall Street, you know, good for corporations, but it's not good for the rest of our economy. Even Jamie Dimon has said when we don't pay attention to um, providing resources for hard-hit communities, economically distressed communities, that is not going to help our overall, uh, the health of our country. There's and even coming from Jamie Dimon, I think we should all listen. <laughs> There's a, it's not just Republicans. You might have trouble paying for it with a 28% a corporate tax because of a Democrat, or maybe a couple Democrats, uh, Senator Manchin. Do you think that there, would you support, and do you think that there will be a, a compromise on, on that part of the legislation, the, the 28, maybe do 25 corporate tax. There could be, because uh, there's no question that the corporations benefited hugely from the tax cuts that the Republicans handed to them without a single Democrat voting for it. And so uh, uh, they, you know, we're in a situation where everybody should be paying their fair taxes and the corporations are not. So if we're going to argue about the amount of the increase for corporate taxes, maybe there's a compromise there. But of course, where I am is that we should raise the corporate taxes for, to 28 percent. Mm -hmm. Then there might be compromise there, but there are other uh, issues that have to do with tax, tax overhaul. I mean, ending the tax breaks for fossil fuels. My goodness, that, that should have been done years ago to close tax havens for corporations. Senator, to, when, when, uh, <laughs> there are a number of other you, things. When you say that the, the, the tax cuts benefited corporations greatly, that almost sounds mm -hmm. like a, you're saying that in a, in a negative way. Can you explain why it's bad when, when, I don't know whether you just think a corporation means the CEO or means, like a, a corporation I think includes shareholders, it includes employees, it includes you know, being able to invest in research and development and to expand and to compete globally. And all these things that, that, that work to make the private sector mm -hmm the economic generator of all the tax dollars that we're using, why is it a bad thing that corporations benefited from, from that bill? 
when that bill was uh, was passed without any input from Democrats, that was supposed to be, it, it's, it was kind of like a trickle-down situation. They were supposed to create jobs, et cetera. They were supposed to increase massively the pay for CEOs, et cetera. So there's all kinds of evidence that says that the $1.5 trillion in tax breaks for the 1% of the richest corporations and people in our country certainly did not trickle down to create good-paying jobs for people. It was mainly benefiting corporations, and so they are not paying their fair share in taxes. You have some corporations that pay zero taxes. That right. is totally unfair, to say right. the least. All right. All right, Senator, we didn't get to talk about uh, Heart of Fire. It's a pretty great story uh, coming here when you were uh, seven years old. But you know what? You got to come, coming to Hawaii, what, what island, just, just so I know, are you on, on, on Honolulu? I, I live on I live on Oahu, Honolulu, which is where the majority of people live, but we have a very diverse state, and every oh. island has unique charms, as you probably know. You're right, I do. And I've said that many <laughs> times, that the absolute worst island is otherwise the greatest place on Earth. So it's well, kind of... Oh, there it, you go. <laughs> am I right or am I right? Yeah, I have not been... But you're to, right. To, haven't been to Lanai, because I don't think... Uh, Steve Case hasn't invited me, so that... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, I'm kidding. Yeah, I think it's a lot. There's That's another guy who mainly owns that <laughs> island now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Senator, great to have you on uh, today. Thank and, you. And, uh, hope to see you again. Good luck with the, with the book. Uh, Heart of Fire uh, for your memoir. Thank you. Aloha. Next on Squawk Pod. iPhone 12 is the most popular smartphone in the world, and people love its amazing features. And of course, they love the stunning design and selection of beautiful colors. And we have another beautiful color, perfect for spring. Who can take a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew? Who needs a golden ticket when you've got a purple iPhone? Tim Cook has unveiled a host of new or improved Apple products straight out of his own factory of treats. Our gang of techies, Joe, Becky, and Andrew, on what they'll be buying. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Apple announced a few new products this week, and according to CEO Tim Cook, there's a little something for all of us. Whether you need to keep track of your belongings, or you just need a springtime pick-me-up for your phone, Cook thinks he's got you covered. Hello and welcome back to Apple Park for our first event of 2021. Apple announcing a slate of new products yesterday. If you missed the presentation, here are the highlights. A new high-end iPad Pro that uses the company's M1 chip that's used in Mac computers. The 12.9-inch uh, iPad features an improved screen and camera that can automatically, and this is very cool for all of us dealing with work from home and Zoom calls, it automatically keeps the human subject in the shot. It pans back and forth. It's actually quite incredible. It starts at $799. 
Apple also showing off some new iMac computers that come in different colors. They're powered by Apple's M1 chip as well, not Intel processors, and they're more than 50% more compact than previous models because that M1 uh, is so it doesn't have heat to it, so they can actually make it so thin. Uh, and the Apple TV streaming device also getting an upgrade with a new processor uh, and new remote that uh, has a wheel instead of a touchpad for all of you uh, like me who've been annoyed forever uh, by, by the Apple remote. Um, and then there's this. I actually hope that the Apple remote has this in it, which is the AirTag. It's a new product that helps users find lost objects. How, how many times have you lost that little remote? Uh, users attach the tracker. You can attach it to keys, wallets, all sorts of things, uh, and then use the iPhone app to locate them. But by the way, it doesn't just have to be like in your house, locate them. It uses the entire iPhone network, everybody's phones around the world, to actually find your stuff. That's sort of the coolest part about it. This is AirTag. So you can attach it to just about anything, like your backpack, luggage, or whatever else you have. iPhone can now help you find even more things. You can even put them on a dog tag or maybe a, a cat tag to track your, your animals, guys, uh, or potentially your children. That's interesting. I, that I might be interested in. It, I, I've bought some of the tiles that you mentioned before, Andrew, and I never really used right. them, thought it was a great idea, and never followed through with it. Maybe these work better if they're actually using Apple's entire system to track it down. I was trying to figure out how big they were, though, because they, if you could put it on a tag without it being really too intrusive, that would be worthwhile. No, it, it is. It's a, it's, it's a tag. I should also mention, uh, to Apple's credit, they've now opened up the entire Find Me network to other uh, third parties. So Tile, which I don't know if they're actually <laughs> using it yet, will be able to leverage the entire iPhone network. So literally, if you left a bag at an airport in San Francisco um, and it was sitting there and you went, find, my, find my, my bag, it would effectively triangulate other phones that are in the airport at SFO, if you will. It would know that the bag is there and then that's how you, you'd be able to find it using other people's phones. And what's amazing about it is the whole thing is encrypted. And so nobody, nobody's getting information from your phone. Nobody knows it's that, that bag, though you can actually put a notice. You can does actually drain my battery? effectively a find my, it does not drain your battery on your phone because it's not, yeah, I mean, just, it's a separate no, battery. I, just, I mean, if my phone's the being tags, used as part of this network, does that drain my oh, phone? Like, that's a I good question. I don't, that. I don't think so because it's running off of it. I think it's a, it's running off of a sort of a Bluetooth, but also a wideband thing. I will say the little these little air tags, you have to replace the battery after a year. So each tag, obviously, because it's emitting a, a signal pretty much all the time, um, they only they only effectively last year. It's twenty nine bucks a, a tag. You get four for ninety nine bucks. I, I've looked into this. You can tell I'm interested as a consumer. No, I, I bought but, tiles. Uh, I was, you know, it's a, it's a great idea, and there's so many things that we're constantly losing around here. I can tag everything. Exactly, exactly. Other new offerings include a purple version of the iPhone 12 and a podcast subscription service that launches next month. Apple shares were down, though, about 2% as the event wrapped up, but closed off the lows. That does seem to be sort of the, the way this seems to go. People buy before and sell, sell on the announcement. It's absolutely beautiful. Purple joins the iPhone 12 lineup for pre-order this Friday. In the old days, whenever John Chambers was on from Cisco, I always asked him what color I could get like the servers and the routers in. 
And oh, he always looked you're talking at me about like, the, the Max. Yep. Yeah, he looked at me like there's something wrong. Well, there is something wrong with me. But he looked at me like there was something wrong. Like, well, those rad, because that, that was my, like, one of my most sophisticated questions for, for you know, the, the, right at the very beginning of all this. And I, but we're back to the future. Which, do you have a favorite color on those, uh, Andrew? Was there one that really you know, I need got a new, your I need a new one, so I'll probably just purple. get the silver. The new one's purple. Would you go purple. with the, uh, okay. So it matters on, a, on It didn't matter with the servers and the routers. He said they come in this classic. Yeah, because you couldn't see the servers and the routers. They do if you're I'm working on them. You're about there. This is what you carry around. If you're there, no, it's just on a Mac, is, isn't it's like it? Consumer product. The thing on colors is on the, I think we're talking about the computers. Yeah, and I think computers, Becky's talking right? about the, Carry. Becky's yeah. talking about the phone, about the, which is purple, but the others the are purple. The, we're talking about the computers. You could make it really I, but, look good in a room. You could. You I could. get that. You could. Okay. All right. Good. I need I a couple of other colors I want to add to the list, so we'll see. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Subscribe to Squawk Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your platform of choice. Tweet us at Squawk CNBC, and we'll meet you back here tomorrow. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.